And you know, when you have a when you have a series like High Places, when you're speaking on the roots of idolatry, um, to be honest, not a lot of Christians are willing to hear uh, stuff about idolatry. Um, if you have our series on relationships, maybe on success, whatever, uh, people will flock. Um, but when you come and speak about idolatry, <laughs> not many people will go. So, um, I want to congratulate you first and foremost. Pakicongratulate yung katabinyo. Katabinyo, praise God that you are here. Welcome them to City Light um, here in Mandaluyong. Let me ask you this before we, we start our time here together. What is the first thing that comes to your head when you read this word, comfort? Everyone say, comfort. What is the first thing that enters your mind or what is the first thing that you think about when you think about comfort? Okay? Go. Sabihin nyo. I-share nyo. Comfort. Yan. Alright? So, many of us, we, we have certain um, ideas or certain thoughts certain situations in our lives where we think of the word comfort, right? Uh, we think of uh, a comfortable life. Sinong gusto ng comfortable life? Yan. Of course, all of us want to live in comfort, diba? And one of the ways that we do this, one of the ways that we can live in comfort, uh, many people think today, is that when you have enough money, or when you have a place of your own, when you have a car, when you have a stable job, that will enable you to be comfortable. Tama po ba? Right? Many of us, how many of you are working already? Yeah. Most of us are working already and so we're working 9 to 5, Monday to Friday just so that we can have a comfortable kind of life. Well, let me share you folks this picture. This was my life uh, four or five months ago. I belong to a real estate development company this is we community developers. Uh, we were building buildings, houses, townhouses, villages, whole entire subdivisions. And somehow, along the way of my three and a half years of working there, uh, I found that my work and my life were very comfortable. This picture uh, is taken on one of our buildings here in San Juan. It's just there, Amabini Street. When you go past the Baron condominiums, that's where we hold our office. That's where our first few projects came. And this is the executive committee of which I was a part of. One day, they called me to a meeting, just like that, just like what you're having there. Nakaupo dyan, yung mga partners. I have nine partners, by the way. All of them are non-Christians. I am the youngest, and I am the only Christian in the company. So they sat me down, and uh, as I was so comfortable, I was making a lot of money as VP of Sales and Marketing. Uh, I had uh, a lot of future plans for my life. One of them to get married, to settle down and have a family and have a ministry. But in that meeting, all of that came crashing down. In one instant, in one hour, we were talking on a table and what turns out to be a comfortable life for me, living all of this out, soon changed within one day of my life. I was ousted from the company of which I am a partner. I was exited. I was forced to resign. And up to now, um, any of my receivables or income has not been released. And yet, I talk with you guys with a smile on my face. Why? Because... The times that you are comfortable or you're in comfort can actually be the time of your ruin. When you are most comfortable, that can be your road to destruction. But the flip side is when you are in discomfort, meaning when you're uncomfortable, that can be the situation for your growth. Okay? Rarely do people grow when they are comfortable. 
But when we are taken out of our comfort zone, that is when we can grow. Now, and since I'm I'm not telling you to get fired from your company, okay? I'm telling you that if you make comfort your number one goal in life, that will lead you to destruction. It won't lead to true happiness. So what I want to talk about today is this. Life talk. Comfort can ruin you, while discomfort can be the only way that you will grow. Okay? Now, tanongin ko kayo, how many of you want to grow? <laughs> okay. Kala ko, walang mag-raise ng hand eh. Sabihin nyo nga sa katabi nyo, the only way to grow is through discomfort. Yan, sabihin nyo. The only way to grow is through discomfort. Okay? So, how many of you, today, you're living comfortable lives? Well, God might just have it in His plan to allow you to grow in a change of season. Comfort, although it's not bad, it's okay to live in certain comforts, it's okay to live with food, it's okay to live with money, it's okay to live in your house, it's okay to have all of these comfortable, nice things. But if you make that the end goal, if that's all that you're living for, if I ask you that, what do you want for your life? And you tell me, I want to be comfortable. Then comfort has equated to your idol. Okay? Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with comfort. But if you make that the highest goal of your life, that is your idol. Okay? Uh, check with me first on this, right? Let me just check this. Right. What is the first commandment? Sino dito memorize yung Ten Commandments? Ah, Bible study tayo. Okay? The first commandment is this. Exodus 20, verse 3 to 6. Let's all read it together. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Okay? That is the first commandment. Ngayon, I know why some of you hesitated. Why? Because in the Catholic Church, this commandment is taken out and omitted completely. Okay? If you check, uh, they have those, yung mga statue, ay, mga cement na ganyan, alam mo yan, yung tablets, you will see that the first commandment is actually the second. They omitted this first commandment. If you check your Bible, the very first uh, commandment is that you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other idols apart from God. Now, this was written to the Israelites, right? When they exited Egypt. How many of you remember this, right? God saved and rescued His people Israel from Egypt, right? And after they were freed from Egypt, remember that? He parted the Red Sea. He set them free. Now they're in the wilderness getting ready to go to the promised land. And He gave them this commandment. And did they follow this commandment? Answer is, one of you said no. And that's correct. Fast forward later in the history of Israel, in Second Kings 17, it, it reads this, At every high place they burned incense, as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that aroused the Lord's anger. They worshipped idols. Though the Lord said, you shall not do this. So kahit na clear yung Panginoon that He did not want them to worship any other gods, they did the opposite. Okay? They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Verse 18 says, So the Lord was very angry at Israel and removed them from His presence. And the rest is history. Why? After this happened, the nation of Israel started to collapse. What happened to them? They were exiled by God. God allowed them to be conquered by another nation. First by Assyria, next by Babylon. And that was when the temple of Israel and the city of Jerusalem was 
destroyed. This tells us the picture. Sobrang serious ni God sa idolatry. So serious that He is willing for His people to experience exile. To be taken out of their comfort zone. Just to be able to tackle their idolatry. So that's why we're going through this series. Right? What is the title of our series? It's called High Places. By the way, in the biblical context, high places are the places where you erect an idol and then you worship the idol there and sometimes you even sacrifice to the idol on these high places. It would have been an altar. It could have been a hill. It could have been a mountain. But the same is true that high places are places of false worship. Okay? We are examining the roots of idolatry. Now, uh, what is an idol? What is an idol? Any ideas? Can you shout it out loud? What is an idol? Any ideas? That's just. I think I want to go down. I think I'm too far. What is an idol for you guys? What is an idol? Yes? Shout it out. Help me out. Can someone bring this down? Now, an idol is anything that is so central in your life that if you cannot have it, you won't have a meaningful life. Okay? An idol is something in your heart of hearts that sasabihin mo, if I have that, then my, value, my life has value and meaning. But if I don't have that, I won't have a worthwhile life. Okay? Um, an idol can be something good that we elevate to God. It can be something that is totally good and right and very nice. But if we elevate a good thing to an ultimate thing, it becomes an idol. I'll give you some examples. Your career can be your idol. That you're so obsessed with you know, climbing the corporate ladder. Relationships can be your idol. Isipin mo, pag wala sa buhay ko, pag wala boyfriend ko or girlfriend ko sa buhay ko, mamatay na lang ako. That's relationship idolatry. Or ministry even. Some people, especially in the church, they make their ministry to be their idol. Why? If your ministry is good and successful, it will go to your head. It will go to your pride. But if your ministry is going down, it affects you personally. Right? Your ministry can be your idol. Anything that if you, it's taken away from you and you're crushed on the verge of being hopeless or desperate, that's an idol. Okay? It's the things that we hold dearly. When we make a good thing into an ultimate thing, we create an idol. And tanongin niyo yung katabi niyo. Sino yung idol mo? <laughs> okay? Ano yung mga idols niyo sa buhay niyo? Okay? It's clear that God doesn't want any idols and He wants to be worshipped alone. Okay? According to Martin Luther, one of the Reformation fathers, this is what he said, whatever your heart clings to or confides in, okay? Whatever your heart is so intent, whatever your heart is embracing, that is really your God. That is your functional Savior. Diba? Whatever your heart clings to. In other words, ano yung pinakaunang naiisip mo sa umaga? That can be a sign of your idol. Ano yung pinakahuli na thought in your head before you sleep? That can be a clue to your idol. Maybe you have a functional savior. Maybe you've made up your own God. Okay? Modern idolatry today can take many forms. Um, like, diba? Uh, in, in those days, you can make a small figurine tapos yun yung idol. Diba? I don't know if some of you in your houses, you still have uh, figurines or images or idols. Okay? Dati, we had a little cute uh, Santo Nino like that. And then we also had a big one like this. Really creepy, like standing up baby with curly hair and blue eyes. It's so weird. Those are, you know, those classic idols. Idolatry. 
And in the Philippines, there's so many because it's a predominantly Catholic nation. So all of these idols are surrounding us. They can be even on our necklaces, right? Uh, or whatever. But modern-day idolatry takes another form. Kung before, what they were worshipping were these small statues, these small figurines, these small goddesses and gods. Today, we worship something else. Today, we actually worship this. Ourselves. Kaya today, folks, if you just scroll through your newsfeed on Facebook or on social media, may kita niyo yung hashtag, love yourself. Or hashtag, self-love. Right? We have elevated ourselves to become like God. That's the original sin of Adam and Eve. Why? Sabi ng serpent, if you eat of this fruit, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. And that is the number one source of idolatry. And many of us, kahit na if we don't, um, if we don't admit it, we have self-idolatry. We want everything for ourselves. We want ourselves to be comfortable. Well, in the Bible, First John 5, verse 21 says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And again, in First Corinthians 10, verse 14, Therefore, my beloved, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Okay? Flee from idolatry. Why don't we start our time with a word of prayer, if it's okay. Father, Indeed, this problem of idolatry has been corrupting humanity for all centuries. And Lord, even today, it has taken a different form. Where today, people worship small images, but the greatest image that we worship is ourselves. We worship ourselves more than we worship you. So I pray, Lord, today, would you speak to us through your Spirit, through your Word. Allow us to see, to discern the things that are creeping up into our lives, the things that we are idolizing. And allow us, Lord, to repent and to turn away from those things, to crush these idols, to bring down these high places in our lives. And allow us, Lord, to worship you alone, for you are God and you are worthy of everything that we are. So Lord, tonight, we worship you, Lord, only you. May nothing in this place take your glory. Even I, Lord, I want to worship you through this act of service by preaching this message. Lord, I, you know how, I, how I've prepared for this, how I'm so convicted by this message. So I pray, Lord, that I would be able to share this and that my brothers and sisters here tonight would also learn from your word. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to focus, clear out the distractions, and allow room in our hearts for your word to be implanted. Holy Spirit, speak through me and in me. And we ask this together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Okay? So, what I want us to do for tonight is this. The main idea behind high places, the comfort of idolatry is this. If we want to flee or if we want to destroy the idols, we're going to have to crush these idols. Okay? In order to crush these idols, the idol of comfort, we must be willing to do one thing and one thing only. Okay? And it is this. We must bear our cross. Okay? Nothing shatters idolatry more than the cross. Okay? Nothing can set us free from, my, from our idolatry of comfort, but the cross. Okay, this is the main idea. If you forget everything else I say today, don't forget this, that the only way to destroy or crush our idolatry over comfort is to bear our cross. Sabihin sa katabi nyo, bear your cross, brother. Bear your cross, sister. <laughs> Sis. Okay? Now, Many today have fallen into this trap of uh, a very, very sad, a very, very false gospel, a very deceptive teaching. And you may have heard of this. This is the prosperity gospel teaching. 
Why? Many of these people, they will teach, they will come into churches, and baka some of you are listening to these podcasts or messages on YouTube. The prosperity gospel will basically tell you this, that if you follow Jesus, you will be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Okay? That if you follow Jesus, you will have the most comfortable life here on earth. The prosperity gospel preaches that you have your best life now, according to Joel Austin. If you're reading any of his books, please practice discernment. Okay? You'll hear preachers like Joel Austin, Joyce Mayer, and even Stephen Furtick proclaiming this prosperity gospel. And many Christians are falling for it. Why? The true gospel says that it isn't about your best life now. It's about your eternal life. Okay? The prosperity gospel teaches that it's all about your happiness. It's all about your comfort. It's all about how you can live in the now, in the best life possible for you. Whereas the true gospel, the biblical gospel says this, it's all about holiness. God says, be holy therefore as I am holy. And we find that when we are the holiest, that is when we are the happiest. When we are most set apart, when we are most distinct, when we are so in love with God that we want to be like Him, that is when we are most happy. It's not in the material things of this world. Okay? They go on to teach this, that it's all about your healthiness, your safety. Okay? When the Gospel tells us that it's all about wholeness. Whatever happens in this life, even if you get sick, even if you get diagnosed with cancer, even if you are homeless or abandoned, like the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians, you're promised that you will be whole by the end of this life. Okay? Yes, God can heal you if you're sick, totally. But it is not a guarantee. Why? Sometimes God's will for you is to endure, to persevere. In that even if your body is being broken, inside you're being made whole. That is the true gospel, folks. What else? Prosperity teaching will tell you it's all about your wealth, your security, and all of these things. The true gospel will tell you this. It's all about eternal treasure. Where are you investing your resources, your time, your energy, your focus? Is it in the things that will last forever? Or is it in the things here and now? There was this poem about addiction. And I just want to read it to you. It, it, it really strikes close to what I'm trying to say. Why? If we're not careful with sin, if we're not careful with idolatry, especially the comfort idolatry, we will fall into this trap. Let me read it to you quickly. This is a poem. Uh, I edited a few lines of it. You can search it on Google. It says this, if we let ourselves fall into sin, into idolatry, into any addiction, it says this, I destroy homes, I tear families apart, I take your children, and that's just the start. I'm more costly than diamonds, more precious than gold. The sorrow I bring is a sight to behold. My power is awesome. Try me, you'll see. But if you do you may never break free. Just try me once and I might let you go. But try me twice and I'll own your soul. When I possess you, you'll steal and you'll lie. you do whatever you have to just to get high. But you'll forget your morals, how you were raised. I'll be your conscience. I'll teach you my ways. I take kids from parents and parents from kids. I turn people away from God and separate friends. I'll take everything from you, your zeal and your mind. I'll be with you always, right by your side. I'll take and take till you have nothing more to give. When I'm finished with you, you'll be lucky to live. If you try me, be warned. This is no game. If given the chance, I'll drive you insane. I'll ravish your body, I'll control your mind, I'll own you completely, your soul will be mine. The nightmares I'll give to you while lying in bed, 
the voices you'll hear from inside your head. The sweats, the shakes, the visions you'll see. I want you to know these are all gifts from me. But then it's too late and you'll know in your heart that you are mine and we shall never part. You'll regret that you tried me. They always do. But you came to me, not I to you. You knew this would happen. Many times you were told, but you challenged my power and chose to be bold. You could have said no and just walked away. If you could live that day over, now what would you say? I'll be your master. You will be my slave. I'll even go with you when you go to your grave. Now that you have met me, what will you do? Will you try me out or not? It's all up to you. I can bring you more misery than words can tell. Come take my hand. Let me lead you to hell. <sighs> this is the image that is created when we think of giving in to idolatry. It can be a very cruel and harsh master. Even the idolatry of comfort. It seems nice at first, but if we make it the most ultimate thing in our lives, it will devour us, it will destroy us. Okay? Idolatry is anything that takes the place of the one true God. Sino po dito my idols? Sure? I'll be the first person to tell you, I'm a, I am an idolater. I have made so many idols in my life. And I'm still on the constant cautious note that any time I can make and fashion another idol after another idol. So we must be careful. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we must always be discerning. We're looking out for these idols in our lives. Why? Because they form slowly. No one just says, I, I have a new idol. No, no, no. Those things form slowly from the ground up. It's just more of your time, more of your thoughts, more of your energy, more of your focus. Then eventually it has you already. Okay? John Calvin, um, one of the reformers, he said this, For what is idolatry if not this? To worship the gifts in place of the giver himself. You see, if we worship things, created things, we will only be separated from God. This is what will happen. And if we feel that we are more inclined to the prosperity teaching, to the feel-good sermons, to those feel-good preachers, we are actually redefining who God is. Why? Many of us, we're recreating a God that fits us. Kaya marami ngayon in the church, you know what, I'll tell you, basta hindi maayos yung church building, ay, I'm out of there. Ay, yung preaching masyadong hardcore, ay, ayoko na, ayoko na. Gusto ko yung feel good lang. Gusto ko yung mga Bo Sanchez, yun lang. If we're not careful, if we don't want to hear the truth of God, that God is holy, God is just, and God is at the same time loving and gracious and merciful, we have formed our own idol. We must be careful. An idol is anything that replaces the one true God. Even the good things that God has given us as gifts, we can elevate that and make it into ultimately our own God. Okay? Are we learning so far? Okay lang ba kayo? Buhay pa ba kayo? Okay? Um, I just want to share this because I've been studying for this message and nakaka-convict talaga siya. Even I, na ako yung nagpe-preach nito sa inyo, I'm, I'm, I'm coming from a place of love kasi when I was reading the scriptures this week, man, durog na durog ako. Why? Because God was showing me that I have my own idols in my life. Whether it's wanting to get married or wanting to have enough, a, a number in my bank account, whatever it is, all of this reputation, all of this career talk. I have so many idols. And God is pleased when we come to Him. And we actually tell Him, Lord, 
would you crush these idols of mine? Lord, I don't want to live by these idols. I want to worship you alone. That is pleasing to God. Okay? Now, as we continue, I want to take you on a journey. Okay? We're going to visit two places. Okay? These are what you call, what you would call high places. Okay? The first is Athens. Um, you'll see this in Acts 17 if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're just going to read through this briefly. Uh, we're going to see what the Apostle Paul went through when he went to this city called Athens. Okay, if you know your history, the city of Athens was a great city. Okay, the Athenians came from there, where mostly there were high architecture, very nice buildings, very nice wealth and trade and commerce. All of the Athenians, they were proud okay, of their very nice economy and their very awesome philosophy. Okay? And this is what Paul encountered when he was in Athens. You'll find that in Acts 17, verse 16 to 34. Let me just go through it quickly. Okay? So when Paul visited the city of Athens and one of his missionary journeys, verse 16 says, Paul was waiting for some of the disciples in Athens. And look at this. He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Okay? The first thing that we realize is that Paul had discernment. He entered the city of Athens and he automatically saw that and daming idols dito sa city na to. Okay? And that's not far from what we see today when we pass through Edsa. There are idols on the billboards. And if we check our phones, there are idols abounding. Right? So first and foremost, we have to be discerning of these idols. And what was the response of Paul? He was greatly, what? Distressed. Na stressed siya, folks. Why? Because of so many idols. And look at this, where he found them. So he reasoned in the synagogue as well as in the marketplace day by day. Okay? So because of Paul's distress over so many idols in his city, in the city of Athens, what did he do? He reasoned in the synagogue or where... The Jews were taught, this is a Jewish uh, place of worship, okay? It's a Jewish church, if you can. And he also reasoned in the marketplace. What does this tell us? Idols can exist in the church and in the workplace. Okay? And Paul was discussing this with the people there day by day. Imagine, Paul was ready to question. Paul was ready to ask them, what are you going to worship? Nyo? Okay? In the church and in the workplace, the marketplace. And look at this. Sabi nung iba, what is this babbler trying to say in verse 18? And others remark, he seems to be advocating foreign gods, another idol. Yun yung sabi nila in response to him. And look at this. They said this because Paul was preaching the what? The good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Okay? So he was straight up, hey, your city is full of idols, but I'm here to talk to you about the good news. Right? This is amazing. And then, sabi ng mga tao, you're bringing some strange ideas to our ears. It was as if it was a normal life for them to worship all of these gods. And Paul even remarked that there are many idols in this city, yung iba, to this god, to Zeus, to Athena, to Artemis, and then there was even a placard there to an unknown god. Bahala na. Kung sino mang yung god na yan. Diba? We worship rin namin yan. Diba? So this was the way of life for the Athenians and for that time in those ancient days. And then, further, then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Aeropagus. Okay? The Aeropagus is the place of commerce and of trade, not only of goods, but also of ideas. The modern equivalent of the Aeropagus would be a TED Talk. Alright? Where there was an exchange of ideas. A TED Talk. Okay? So they invited Paul, Oi, ikaw naman yung speaker namin. Share to us your good news. Okay? Where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. Okay? And so, Sabi niya, this is how he started his TED Talk. People of Athens, 
I see that in every way you are very religious. Galing, di ba? Medyo suabe. And then he said, you are also ignorant. <laughs> okay? So he, he compliments them, oh, you're very religious, that's nice, but you're also ignorant. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Okay? Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. Paul is not afraid to call out their idolatry. Okay? And this is what he says. Acts 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And verse 25, let's all read it together. And He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything. Rather, He Himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Diba? That's Paul combating idolatry. He brings it up to the Creator God. Okay? And He tells them, look, look, look. Your worship of those idols made by human hands, that's worthless. Actually, God does not need you. Instead, even though God does not need anything, He gives everyone life, breath, and everything. The people, even Christians, who are so comfortable today, they forget that their lives are coming from God who gives life and breath. Hold up your left hand. Put it here. You feel that? What is that? That's your pulse. Otherwise, kung hindi nyo maramdaman, baka patay na kayo. That's your pulse. Did you realize that every heartbeat that you have, every pulse of your life is already accounted for and given to you by God, even now? Even now, I could have my last heartbeat and die in front of you, but it's still going. This life is not yours. This life has been given to you by God. So who are you to make an idol out of anything else in this world? And he continues, sabi niya, look at this, in verse 27, God did this, God gives life to all people all around so that they would what? Seek Him, reach out for Him, and what? Find Him. People would actually ask, "What is the meaning behind my life? Bakit ako nabuhay today? Bakit ako nagising kaninang umaga?" Diba? Though he is not far from any one of us, and this is one of perhaps one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, verse twenty-eight. Let's read it all together. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Sabihin niyo ko sa katabi niyo, in Him you live, you move. And you have your being. In other words, you're alive today because God gave you life. Right? And guess what? Paul was quoting one of their philosophers, Epimedes. Okay? Imagine mo. A popular saying in those days has now become scripture because Paul quoted a popular reference from a secular ancient philosopher. And now it's part of scripture. It's like me quoting Backstreet Boys. And then they've made that Bible into canon. And then the Backstreet Boys are automatically now in the Bible. Parang ganon. Okay? He was reaching to his audience to make them understand that these cultural aspects, even this philosophy, is sourced from God alone. Imagine that. In Him we live and move and have our being. But it does not end there. He continues. This is what he says. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. Okay? In the past, the idolatry of the peoples were overlooked by God in His mercy. But now, let's all read it together. Now, He commands all people everywhere to repent. For He has set a day when He will judge the world with justice by the man He has appointed he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. This is none other than Jesus the Christ. Okay? That there will come a day that all people will be judged 
and they will be judged in that day by this man who was raised from the dead. So what are we called to do today? We are called and commanded to repent. What is repentance? Metanoia, which means to change your way of thinking, to change your mind. Repentance is when you are running towards all of these idols, especially the idol of comfort, and then you repent and then you turn and then you look towards God and you step to journey towards Him. That is repentance. Okay? And we must be careful because we can worship so many other things than God, like these Athenians. Now, why do I share this? Today, you will find Christianity so comfortable. You will find teaching that says, oh, you know, just give your life to Christ. Just pray this the sinner's prayer and then you'll go to heaven. That's not wrong. But if that's all that we say, we are misrepresenting Christ. Why? The Christian life is not meant to be comfortable. The Christian life is meant to follow God no matter what. Okay? So now, let me ask you, what's our main idea again? If we want to, in order to crush the idol of comfort, we must what? Bear our cross. We must bear our cross. It's, a, it's very simple and straightforward. We must bear our cross. Now, let me actually probe now into your lives. Let me ask you this checklist. Okay? I want to ask you, how comfortable are you in your Christianity? And be prepared, folks. Uh, this list, you know, just, just check it out. Okay? Just do a mental checklist or if there's anything that strikes at you, put it in your notes in your cell phone. Uh, let's start with number one. You rarely read, study, meditate, reflect, memorize, or even discuss or apply Scripture in your life. Number two. Your prayers are dull, monotonous, mechanical, joyless, lifeless, hopeless, and faithless. Anyone here in this room? And to be honest with God. Number three. You are not affected by the plight of the poor or the needy or those who are suffering. You've calloused your heart towards them. Number four, you do not care to speak out or even research on relevant matters of the faith. You'd rather please people. Okay? Issues like the LGBT movement today, the soggy bill, the issue of idolatry, the issue of uh, same-sex marriage, all of these issues because we're so comfortable. Ayon nating pag-usapan whenever it comes to our faith. Diba? Number five, your life has not exhibited any remarkable and distinct signs of change and transformation. In other words, there's no sanctification happening in your life. You're not looking more like Christ every day. You're stuck in your comfort as a Christian. If this is any of your life, if you've managed to check, you might be a comfortable Christian. You might be a stagnant Christian. What else? These are more inward, but what about the outward aspects? You might be a comfortable Christianity in that you can't remember the last time that you shared the gospel or spoke of Jesus to someone. Number two, you've never witnessed or had a spiritual conversation or shared your testimony with none believers. Number three, you are no longer concerned about the spiritual condition of your neighbors, your family members, or your co-workers. You've ignored the hard reality, the hard truth that if these people don't hear the gospel, they are destined for condemnation. And somehow, in God's time, uh, someone else will share the gospel. Someone else will invite them to CCF. Someone else will invite them to church. Number four. Your barcada, your friends, your family, your co-workers don't even know that you are a follower of Christ. 
You're still the same old person that you were. And number five, you have not tried or put the effort to make disciples or to teach others the way of Christ or even to serve in church. If you checked any of those, then your Christianity might be too comfortable. Are we clear? Masakit ba? Masakit talaga. This is the Word of God. If your Christianity has become so stagnated that you are of no use to the kingdom, then folks, please reconsider. Please examine yourself. Test yourself as Second Corinthians 13 says. Let's all read it together. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Okay? Folks, my dear friends, City Light, I'll be the first person to tell you that even in church, there are false believers. People who are just living for this world and not for the kingdom of God. And I just want to come to you now as honest as I can be, that if your Christianity has been so comfortable that it no longer disturbs you, that you're no longer convicted, that you have been so calloused, that you have been so coasting in your Christian walk, you might not be a Christian. Although you call yourself and profess to be a Christian, you are not following Jesus. That is the harsh reality. I want to read this to you. We are comfortable Christians, scared to step out in faith, so we put our spirituality under strict lock and key and make our hearts that read no trespassing here. So we cling to the comfort of our own authority subconsciously. We give God preference and conditions as to where we would like to be used and refuse to act on anything outside of our norms, so we're stuck. Somewhere between wanting to be transformed and borderline lukewarm. So the preference is to be low-key, to put the mini in ministry, to minimize the work of Christ. When you're comfortable, you become vulnerable to every spiritual attack. It's open season on your salvation, and the devil is not going to hold back. He'll have you thinking procrastination is just a bad habit when really it's a tactic used to get you distracted from the time you're meant to spend with God. So the enemy prays and stalks the earth for stagnant hearts. You immediately become prey when you find less time to pray, exposing your innermost vulnerable parts. You've made a home in your comfort zone. Your comfort zone has become a danger zone. The warning signs become less noticeable when you settle down in your spirit and become more comfortable. Have you become comfortable as a Christian? Have you dimmed your light? Have you lost your saltiness all the while claiming to be a follower of Christ? Some of you, you've fooled yourself to thinking that you are saved when you're not. So please, the most loving thing that I can say to you is check your life. Check your heart. You might be thinking that you're a Christian when you're not. And on that day, the day of judgment that Paul was mentioning in Acts 17, what will he say to you? Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And then the Lord will tell them, Depart from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. That will be the saddest thing. So today, check yourself. Are you living a life of idolatry? Or are you living a life of true worship? Many of us, we've heard of this expression. 
You know, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Tama Is this correct? Yes. It's never about, you know, being good before God. It's about having that covenant relationship with the Lord. But I tell you, I submit to you, my dear friends, many Christians today don't have a relationship with Jesus. They have had a fling with Jesus. A temporary, non-committal, shallow type of arrangement. It's a fling for a season lang that you have your hands raised and you're praying to God and you're worshiping Him, reading the Bible and doing discipleship. But for a season only. It was a fling. An emotional high. How many of you have stood there with Jesus, staying close to Him, clinging on to Him, worshiping Him, going beyond your comfort zone, and actually living a radical, sacrificial way of life, following your Savior, your Lord? Folks, I do not come here to condemn anyone, but just to lead us to the Savior. I want to end my time here by visiting the second place. This is called the Church at Laodicea. You'll find this in Revelation 3. This is where Jesus addresses His church. This is where Jesus strikes forth His word to His people, to His church. Because Laodicea was known for its water equidocts. They were living a comfortable life. And yet, this is what Jesus had to say to them. Revelation 3, verse 14 onwards, it says this. I know your works, and you are, what? Neither hot, neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, verse 16. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. This is plain and simple from Jesus' words. If you are lukewarm, He will spit you out of His mouth. This is a disciplinary term. That if your Christianity has grown so comfortable that you are now lukewarm, neither hot to soothe the body, neither cold to freshen the body, that you're just lukewarm, it's good as nothing. That's what He's trying to say. And look at this. He continues on. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I, have, I need nothing. Sounds like a comfort, comfortable life, right? And yet, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. This is what Jesus says to His church. You guys are so comfortable, but you don't realize that you are poor, blind, and naked. Why? The Laodiceans prided themselves in their rich fabrics and clothing. They were proud of their water system and they were proud to have all of these medical inventions during their time. And yet, Jesus tells them, it's not about those things. You are way in over your heads. I counsel you, Jesus says to them, to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourselves. And the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Okay? This is Jesus now telling them, Buy from me. Clothe me. Clothe my righteousness over yourselves. Let this, the truth finally be seen. And He says this, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. See? It's not that he did not love the church at Laodicea. He was disciplining them. In the same way that God had to discipline me by taking me out of my security, my comfort zone. That is the same way that he deals with us today. So the question I have for you is this. Are you currently facing challenges, discomfort, or any disadvantage in your life? Maybe some of you have experienced being broken by God. Masakit, di ba? 
sometimes, like my current season, I'm trusting on God for provision. I, I still don't have work. And yet, you know, there's this certain dependence and humility. Now, Lord, provide for me my daily bread. And that can only happen in the midst of disadvantage and discomfort. Why? When we're comfortable, we won't even speak to God. Ay, sige, mamaya ka na. Ay, sige, Lord, mamaya tayo usap pa. And realize that if ever you are in discomfort or disadvantage today, if you're having a challenging season, a very problematic situation, realize this. It's God's way of shaking and breaking you out of your comfort zone. Amen? Can you tell that to the person seated next to you? Take heart. Take heart. God is shaking you and breaking you out of your comfort zone. Who wants to be shaken? <laughs> Alam niyo yun, nakarinig na ba kayo ng dangerous prayers? The dangerous prayers are the prayers that God will most likely answer. Prayers like, Lord, break me. Yan. That's a dangerous prayer. Lord, shake me. Lord, discipline me. Yan. Those are dangerous prayers because if you pray those things to God, He will answer it. I guarantee you 100%. If you want an answered prayer, pray a dangerous prayer. Lord, break me. Lord, make me uncomfortable. <laughs> I guarantee you, He will answer that. John Piper says this, we make a God out of whatever we find most joy in. So find your joy in God and be done with all idolatry. No matter what circumstance, what season, what situation you're in, no matter what you find yourself going through, find your joy in God, whether in plenty or poor, whether in a relationship or single for the rest of your life, whether jobless or employed, whether having plenty in the bank or none, find your joy in the Lord and you will be free from all idolatry, even the idolatry of comfort. And I'll close with this. The very next verse in Revelation 3 to the church at Laodicea says this, Behold, let's all read it together, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Folks, if we are ready to fellowship intimately with our Lord and Savior, He comes knocking on our doors. If somehow you've come to a season of idolatry in your Christian walk, Jesus is calling you back. He's inviting you to a meal, to a fellowship meal with Him. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, so as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you want to be comfortable? Or do you want to conquer? Do you want to sit down on your couch and watch Netflix all day? Or do you want to sit on the throne with Christ? The choice is up to you. I leave you with a challenge. The main idea is this. In order to crush the idols of comfort, we must what? Bear our cross. This is the challenge. Matthew 16, verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus says, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Ito po yung paradox ng Christian faith natin. The more that we lose ourselves in following Christ, the more we find our very lives. So it's no longer about us. It's no longer about our comfort. It's no longer about what we can make out of our life. No about taking our cross and following Jesus. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul?
What good would it be for you to be so comfortable in your life, but be so useless for the kingdom of God? I close with this. We must all ask ourselves this very valuable question. And it is this. Do I love Christ so much that I'm willing to lose everything for Him? The answer to that question will tell you if you have an idolatrous heart or if you are truly worshipping Jesus. Let's pray.